Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time. Mass murder is the killing of numerous people at the same time in the same place. There are significant differences between mass killers and serial killers, but our focus today is on the former, mass murderers. Mass murderers often die at the crime scene by suicide or police action. Rarely do they surrender, but that's exactly what happened at Oxford High School when Ethan Crumbly opened fire. Welcome to Profiling Evil Academy Season 3 in this episode on mass murder and school violence. Now, if you're one of my university students or a Profiling Evil channel member, welcome back. If you're not, I hope you'll consider joining up. But thanks for coming over to Profiling Evil Podcasts and Profiling Evil Academy. Make sure you're hitting that like and subscribe button and supporting us in every way that you can think of. You can also catch Profiling Evil Podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. We all watched in horror as the events at Oxford High School played out in the media. From the carnage at the scene to the theatrics in the courtroom, and Ethan Crumbly's conviction. This case has been one of those rare incidents where a mass shooter survives. Let's quickly retrace the timeline as part of this discussion. It was November 30th when Ethan Crumbly, a 15-year-old student at the high school, opened fire on his classmates, killing four and injuring seven others. Crumbly was armed with a 9mm semi-automatic handgun, something that his parents had purchased him just weeks earlier. In the end, Crumbly would plead to 24 crimes. He was charged with murder, terrorism, and a number of other things. Well, now Crumbly's parents face involuntary manslaughter charges for failing to secure the handgun that the killer used in the shooting. I was really troubled to learn recently that Oxford High School actually used a an active shooter drill known as ALICE. It's called uh, Alert, Lockdown, Inform, Counter, and Evacuate Drill, which teaches proactive strategies to evade a, a gunman. Faculty are taught to use things like noise as a distraction and a way to create distance between the student and the gunman. The teachers were also trained to use a barrier at the base of the classroom called Nightlock. This was installed on every door at the school in back in 2017 because of Michigan law. Now, I wasn't disturbed to learn about the fact that they had that training. I was disturbed to learn about it later. I didn't know about this, and it was really comforting news. But the thing that I found distressing was that the rumors were out there regarding that the, there was a threat against the school, a threat of mass shooting. It was circulating days before the incident occurred, and it actually prompted some students to stay home on the day of the shooting. 
Well, earlier that month, there had been some vandalism at the school, including a deer head being thrown off of the school roof and into the courtroom. School administrators published a note to parents saying they'd been investigating the rumors that were out there, but they found no threat. The local sheriff also said his uh, office was completely unaware of any threats prior to the shooting. That's kind of disturbing. But on the day of the shooting, school cameras picked up Ethan Crumbly entering the bathroom with a backpack on. He exited a minute later without the backpack, but carrying a semi-automatic handgun, which he started firing at students almost immediately. As they fled, he methodically and deliberately walked down the hallways, shooting into the classrooms at students who were unable to escape. Due to the quick response by students and staff when they heard the gunshots, Crumbly was unable to enter a number of those classrooms. In fact, I don't think he got into any classrooms. Now, it took police a few minutes to respond, but once they located and arrested Crumbly, who gave up. He he was actually arrested by a deputy who was assigned as the school um, resource officer. And that resource officer was backed up by a responding deputy. Now, Crumbly was reportedly still in possession of seven unspent bullets in his gun. And he had two uh, 15-round bullet uh, magazines in his uh, possession. That means he's had 37 bullets left that he still could have fired. So it was really something that those police officers got control of him so quickly. Three of the students died at the scene, and a fourth died at the hospital. There were seven others that were wounded, and I'd encourage you, if you got time, to go back and listen to some of my videos on the case, especially videos where I appear on court TV and discuss some of the dynamics surrounding this case. But the- and folks, while we're talking about Parkland, let's take just a quick moment and look at this map. This is a scenario that was created by the sheriff's office to show Crumbly's movements through the school. So we're going to spend just a little bit of time look at how quickly things unfolded there, just to give you a sense of what was going on. And of course, I don't have the exact times of when each child was shot, although it shows on the video, but I can't really tell um, without the narration by the sheriff's office, which they didn't provide. This was just a document that was uh, received in court. So as we look at that, we can see when... uh, Uh, We can see at uh, 2.20 p.m., almost 2.21, the kids are in the classrooms, and we see them moving around and starting to react to the gunshots that they're hearing. We can see in black as Crumbly comes into the school and starts to make his way. You, You notice he goes past the stairwell, looks actually at the stairwell. We're on the first floor of the school makes his way down the hallway. Classrooms are already being locked, so he's being denied entry into those classrooms. But he is starting to shoot students, and we can see those symbolized on the map. But then he makes his way up the stairwell. So by uh, 2.23 and 33 seconds, he's made his way up to the second floor, And again, he's trying to get access into those classrooms, but is being denied. Makes his way then to the third floor, where a number of students are in the hallway. 
and start to go into the classrooms where they lock down. And you can see those kids fleeing down the hallway and out the building, down the, the stairwell. Crumbly makes his way into a corner where he spends um, about uh, two and a half minutes or so before he makes his way over to the stairwell, realizing that he's not got any more targets and works his way out of the school where he's taken into custody. Pretty interesting to kind of consider how quickly these things unfold. So again, if we were to look at this thing from start to finish at 2.20 and 57 seconds, so really 2.21 p.m. until 2.28 p.m., so seven minutes this entire thing unfolds. But the investigation showed that Crumbly spent a lot of time fantasizing about the killings before going out and acting it out. Some people have been really troubled that there weren't any blemishes on his record before the shooting, noting that that would have alerted authorities that this kid was dangerous. Well, I think there were a lot of red flags popping up. In fact, the investigation would show that this was a troubled kid and that school officials had reached out to his parents hoping to get the boy some help. Evidence was presented that showed Crumbly used his phone to search for ammunition. He was reported days before the shooting and talked with by administrators and his parents were brought in, but it didn't appear that his parents were taking his actions seriously. Instead, they took him to a shooting range to practice shooting the gun. Now, Crumbly's parents allegedly failed to respond to the school's concerns when they left a voicemail about his behavior. Instead of uh, responding and getting something done, uh, Mrs. Crumbly reportedly texted her son saying, LOL, or laughing out loud, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. Close quote. Well, how is that helping? On another occasion, the school demanded Crumbly's parents to come in and talk with a teacher when that teacher found a violent note on Crumbly's desk describing a drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointed at the words that said, quote, the thoughts won't stop. Help me, close quote. You know, in another section of that same note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above the bullet, it said, blood everywhere. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. And further down on the drawing are the words, my life is useless. And to the right of that, the world is dead. These red flags appeared to have gone unheeded, and the result was a mass murder at Oxford High. Criminal justice authors Robert M. Holmes and Stephen T. Holmes state that there's a great deal of misunderstanding when it comes to mass murder, reminding us that the terminology mass murder, serial murder, and spree murder are often used interchangeably, but there are fundamental differences. Mass murder is the killing of three or more victims. And the complexities of mass murder cannot be explained in a simple definition. 
You know, most experts still refer back to the 1980s when FBI agents Hazelwood and Douglas determined that mass murder had to be three or more people. I'm not sure why, but it does help us statistically to keep them kind of lumped together. Now, in a landmark piece of research over much of his career, my friend Mark Safrick, who was also a profiler with the FBI, broke the discussion down even further and wrote a great book called Spree Killers, Practical Classifications for Law Enforcement. And if you get time, you can go back and listen to my discussions with Mark by clicking on the links in the description below. But for now, let's remain focused on this topic of mass murder. It's really hard to focus too much on mass versus spree versus serial. For instance, I think of the mass shooting at McDonald's restaurant in San Isidro, California. 40 people were shot. 21 of them died. Now, it's easy for us to say mass murder. But what about those murders where a huge number of people survive, but a bigger number were shot with leaving only a couple dead? Isn't that still a mass shooting? Just a few days ago, a 73-year-old man shot six people dead in Ontario, Canada. In September, a gunman in Russia killed 15 people in a school shooting there. Now, some people would argue mass shootings are on the rise. Others would say the increase is simply an artifact of better news reporting. Many would say it's an American problem, but it's not. We're seeing it all around the world. Holmes continues teaching us by saying that sociologists and other social and behavioral scientists have taken it upon themselves to organize mass murder into social constructs based on behavioral dynamics, motivation, victim characteristics, the victim selection methodology, uh, anticipated rewards. Well, it's not much different than the classification made on serial killers, and it's become an instrument for analyzing and discussing these kinds of cases. Here's what the experts are saying about mass murder, though. The exact etiology of mass murder is unclear, as it's true that mass murderers are different from serial killers. It's true that the root causes of such personalities are also different. It's the unique combination of the biology, the sociology, and the personal psychology of every individual, which accounts for the personality and thus the behavior of the individual. No one factor can be tied to a person and make them a mass murderer. Moreover, brain disorders, a blow to the head, or a simple chemistry problem can't explain behavior. If these factors were direct causative factors, then everybody who experienced poverty as a child or were raised in a home with an absent father or father figure would become delinquent and potentially become killers. Now, again, these are things that I'm reading, and I'm not an expert in this area. This is where I look look to other experts, especially those in the field of psychoanalytics. But isn't it nice to hear some of the wisdom that's out there, folks? I mean, I know that we all want easier answers to criminal conduct. But bad neighborhoods, economic stress, family instability, and violence don't directly produce killers. 
in addition to killer characteristics, victim traits don't appear to be critical in mass murder. The bottom line is the victim is in the wrong place at the wrong time. The children at Oxford High School were at the wrong place at the wrong time. There are certainly cases and evidence that support that there are often targeted individuals that are inside the carnage. But the majority of the victims just happen to be, dare I say it again, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Developing typologies of mass murderers is difficult at best. But I'm going to conclude this discussion by quoting the United States Congress, who tried to put a definition on the problem. They said, The term mass killing means three or more killings in a single incident that occur in a public place. The term mass shooting is defined as a multiple homicide event in which four or more victims are murdered with firearms within one event and in one or more locations that are in close proximity. Similarly, a mass public shooting is defined to mean multiple homicide incidents in which four or more victims are murdered with firearms with one event in at least one or more public locations, such as a workplace, school, restaurant, house of worship, neighborhood, or public setting. So there you go. Instead of the experts who've investigated mass murder or lifetimes of law enforcement calling the number three, Congress has now said it's number four. Four people. At least that's what they call it in the concluding sentence of their report when they said the lack of a consistent definition for mass violence can be confusing. Holy cow, is this not confusing? And developing a more uniform definition would be helpful. However, the most important thing to remember, irrespective of the definition used, is that each mass violence incident leaves behind numerous victims and numerous survivors who need assistance and support. And I can't agree more. And I'm wondering... What are your thoughts on mass shootings, violence in our schools, and whether or not we really need the definitions? I'm going to be looking for your answers down below, and I hope that you'll take time to follow the links in the study material and make sure you're spending some time looking at the mass shooting map I created at Profiling Evil. I hope that you're enjoying Season 3 of Profiling Evil's Academy. It's here that we're discussing criminal behavior in a little deeper detail. Would you please take a moment, hit that like and subscribe button, and ring the bell so you're getting all of our notifications. Don't forget to check out Profiling Evil podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you go over to our website, profilingevil.com, where you can sign up for our digital newsletter, The Bolo. Make sure you're going to our content page and going to the Academy series where you can watch our other videos. And above all, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon at the next crime scene.
Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is TruthFinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give TruthFinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time.